بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we continue tonight with our لؤلؤ المكنون دروس our lessons on the cherished pearls of seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the end of our last discussion last week or two weeks back was about irhasatul bi'tha wa muqaddimatun nuzulul wahi those are the two the topics that we discussed things that happened just before he received wahi naam those were the, the, the that's where we ended off um, our discussion right we spoke about the trees and, and the stones that used to, to greet rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we spoke about his love for khalwa seclusion we spoke about a number of things that happened before he received wahi so tonight we move on to the next uh, chapter of the book which is al ahdathu min nuzul al wahi ila al hijra the incidents and the happenings that happened from the sending of wahi from the revelation up until hijrah so this is the next chapter that we will be dealing with from the time he received wahi up until he made hijrah so the first topic is nuzulul wahi ala rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the sending of revelation upon the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the author rahimahu hafizahullah he says that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam reached 40 years old with the age of 40 and he went out to Hira, the cave of Hira, as he used to do during the month of Ramadan. Jibreel alayhi salam came to him with the instruction of Allah azza wa jal. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala officially sent him as a, as a prophet and as a mercy to all of mankind, or all of creation rather. And as a person who is sufficient, or someone that is sufficient for all of insan, for all of mankind, as a bringer of glad tidings and as a warner as well. Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah, he narrates in his sahih from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma who said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama was sent as a messenger at the age of 40. The hadith says that he was sent at the age of 40. فَمَكَثَ بِمَكَّةَ ثَلَاثَ عَشْرَةَ سَنَةً يُوحَى إِلَيْهِ And so he remained in Mecca for 13 years where he received wahi. So for 13 years after having being sent officially as a messenger, he remains in Mecca for 13 years and he constantly receives wahi. Then he was instructed with the hijrah. He made hijrah and he stayed there for 10 years. And he passed away and he was a, a man of 63 years old. 63 years of age. Right? That hadith is in Bukhari. So Ibn Al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions as well, that when he reached the age of 40, Allah then illuminated him with the nur of nubuwah, the nur of, the nur of prophethood, and he honored him with his risalah, with his message, and he sent him to all of creation, and he chose him spe- especially and specifically for his miracle, for his karama that he sent, and he made him the amin between him and between his slaves. He made him the trustworthy one between Allah made him him the, the, the trustworthy one between him and his slaves. Yani, what's our connection to Allah? How do we connect to Allah? How are we going to receive revelation? How are we going to know what's right and what's wrong, what's halal, what's haram? It's only through the medium of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi 
wasallam. Um, and this day that he received wahi was on a yawmul ithnain. It was a Monday, the 17th of Ramadan. It happened on a Monday, the 17th of Ramadan. And this is mentioned in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. It was the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was revealed. Also in a hadith in Sahih Muslim, narrated from Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked about fasting on a Monday and he said, Fihi wulitu, on that day I was born, wa fihi unzila alayhi. And on that day I received revelation. Referring to the first um, time of revelation. That hadith is in Sahih Muslim. Hadith Aisha radiallahu anha. He then moves on to a hadith of Aisha, Ummul Mu'mineen. May Allah be pleased with her. And he says, let us listen to the mother of the believers narrate the story of how he received wahi for the first time. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that the first happenings of, 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 of wahi that happened to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama was was righteous dreams that he saw whilst sleeping and truthful dreams that, that he saw while sleeping this we spoke about last in the last lesson alhamdulillah so she says that he never saw any dream except that it came true just like daybreak as clear as daybreak this is how his dreams would, would come true this was the beginning of wahi this was the, these are the part of the things that happened just before he received revelation. Um, so she says, This happened until Al-Haq came to him. Until Al-Haq came to him. What is Al-Haq? The truth came to him. Why? This is Wahi. Until Wahi came to him. The truth is no truth after this. There's no greater truth than this. So until this happened, meaning he had these dreams continuously until Al-Haq came to him. وَهُوَ فِي غَارِ حِرَاءِ She says, was, whilst he was in the cave of Hira, فَجَاءَهُ الْمَلَكِ فَقَالْ إِقْرَأْ The angel came to him and said, said to him, إِقْرَأْ Read. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا أَنَا بِقَارِئٍ I am not a reader or a reciter. I cannot read. قَالَ فَأَخَذَنِي فَغَطَّنِي حَتَّى بَلَغَ مِنِّي الْجَهْدُ ثُمَّ أَرْسَلَنِي so the Prophet said, he then took me and he pressed or he squeezed me. He squeezed me until I could not bear it anymore. So it was severe upon him. And then he released me. Then he released me. The second time he said to him, read. I said, I am not a person who is able to read. He took me and he squeezed me a second time. Until I could not be, and then he released me. A third time. I said, And he took me and he squeezed me a third time, and then he released me. Then he said, he then instructed him what to read. 
He then recited the rest of the of the ayat on, on what exactly to to read. Iqra bismi khalaq. Read in the name of your Lord who created. He created insan from alaq, a clinging subject, a clinging matter, a clinging substance. Read, and your Lord is the most generous, or the most gracious. He is the one who taught with the pen. He taught insan that which they did not know. That's the first five ayat. The tafsir of this we did in detail. On the tafsir of the short surahs course, which is on our YouTube page, alhamdulillah. Um, so Ibn Hajar, he mentions some points on this hadith before we carry on. And he says that when Jibreel eventually says to him, Iqra' bismi rabbika khalaq. Read in the name of your Lord who created. Yani he created everything. What does this mean? How do we understand this? He basically says, that yes, you are not a reciter. Yes, you are an unlettered man. Right? We know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was an ummi, an unlettered man. He could not read or write. But when you are reading, you are reading Bismi Rabbik. In the name of your Rabb. This ba, like we say, Bismillah. When we say in the name of Allah or with the name of Allah, it's a ba of isti'ana, which means. It implies, in, uh, it, implies, it implies assistance. So when we say Bismillah, we are also seeking assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, when Allah says Bismi Rabbik, read in the name of your Rabb, it's with the assistance of your Rabb. It's with the Qudra of your Rabb. It's with the power and the ability of your Rabb. Not through your own abilities. Not through your own knowledge. Understand? But through the power of, your, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His assistance. And he will teach you. He will teach you just like he teaches everything. Like he created you. Like he um, removed that clot of blood from your heart. And that share the shaitan from you. Like, you know, when you were small, we know the story now. The splitting of the chest. Those things were removed from the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Hajar is explaining and he says, just like Allah did with you when you were small. Now he will do with you again. He will teach you. He will assist you. And then you will go and teach the rest of your ummah. Teach them until they become an ummah who will write with the pen. After they were an ummah that was unlettered. Understand? This is why Allah says, Iqra' bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. In the name of your Rabb. It's Allah who is going to allow you to read. It's not through your own ability. So when you say, ma'ana biqari', Yes, however, Allah is with you. And Allah is going to allow you to read and grant you the ability and so forth. He also touches on the points in this hadith of um, the hikmah in al-ghat. Yani that squeezing, that pressing that Jibreel did to him. What's the hikmah in this? Why did he have to experience this? Why was this part of the occasion? This Ibn Hajar says, is to show the severity of the, of the situation and to prepare him for what's to come. For, to, to prepare him for this wahi that's going to descend upon him. This kalam of Allah that's going to be revealed upon him. It's not a light word. It's not a light matter. It's something heavy. 
It's something heavy. This Quran, this, this deen of Allah, is something heavy, this burden that he carries, that Rasulullah sallallahu carries, and that he will have to convey to the ummah, is something heavy. So when Jibreel squeezes him, and he shows patience, he shows patience towards this, this is like a preparation for him. This is to prepare him that what's going to come is something heavy upon your body physically, and we're going to see at the end of the lesson tonight, inshallah, what the Prophet ﷺ experienced physically when he received wahi. It wasn't just light, it wasn't like a moment of a coolness upon him, it was something heavy that descended upon him. And then he says, as for the hikmah in this happening three times, Jibreel said this three times, read, I cannot read, squeezed him, read, second time, third time, the same thing happened. Then he says, because the hikmah in this is that, it's a, it points towards the confinement of Iman. Right? It always goes back to three things. What is Iman? Iman is Al-Qawlu Al-Amal Wal-Niyyah It's either speech. Iman is either in your speech, it's either in your physical actions, or it's in your heart. It's in your intention. Three things happen to him. This happened three times. Iman is also of three things. He says also wahi is of three types. We have wahi that's tawheed, all about tawheed. Certain ayat of the Quran is all about tawheed. Then we've got ahkam, rulings and, and, and legislation that comes in the Quran. And then we've got qisas, a third type which is the stories and the narrations that we find. Understand? Also he says three moments of difficulty that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in general will go through. Firstly, he was he was kept before Hijrah. He was confined to a place called Ash-Shi'b. He was he was he had to stay there. Right? He was captive captive but he was what's the word I'm looking for? Um you know he wasn't allowed to leave. He was confined, yes, to a place called Ash-Shi'b. Right? In Makkah. It's a place in Makkah. That's one difficulty that he had to experience. Secondly, he had to leave his city and make hijrah. What's the name of the place that you Shi'b. Right? That's number one. Number two, the second difficulty was he had to leave Makkah and make hijrah. And thirdly, what happened to them on the day of Uhud, on the battle of Uhud. Three squeezes that he had to experience could be a sign that three moments of difficulty that, 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 that was going to come. And then he released him. Three moments of, of ease. Three moments of release. What does this point towards? Number one, in this dunya, the success and the ease that he will experience. Number two, in the barzakh, the delight that he will experience. And number three, in the akhirah, the ultimate bliss that he will experience in the highest ranks of Jannah. This is some of the hikmah that Ibn Hajar withdrew from this qissa, or this narration, of the squeezing and the releasing of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by Jibreel. Understand? Some of the hikmah, yani, people would ask, why did he have to squeeze him? Why did he release him? And squeeze him again and release him. The ulama have tried to derive hikmah from it. And this is what Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentioned and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The last three points, meaning? The releasing meaning when he, he, he experiences that moments of ease and, and, and success, you know, like victory, 
It happens in three places in his life. Number one, in the dunya. So after he made hijrah, after they established the Islamic State, after, you know, what, what didn't happen was his? People entered the deen of Allah. Afwaja. You will see the people entering the deen of Allah afwaja in large amounts. This happened in the dunya. This was a, a, a release that he experienced in this dunya. You could put it in that words. Secondly, in the barzakh. What's the Prophet sallallahu state right now? He's in the barzakh. Do we think he's experiencing happiness, delight or punishment or difficulty? Only nothing but delight and happiness. And then comes the Akhirah, which is only multiplied. Right? Those are the three signs of the release that Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentions and Allah knows best. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she now carries on. And she says, after Jibreel came with the five ayat of Surah Alaq, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faraja'a biha fu'aduhu. He then goes back to his family with these ayat, with the story that he just, with this, you know, this incident that just happened. And his heart is beating severely. His heart is pounding. And he comes home and he enters upon who? Khadija bint Khwalid radiallahu anha. And he says, Zammiluni, zammiluni, cover me, cover me. Fazammaluhu hatta dhahaba anhu al-raw'. And so they covered him until that Fright, that terror, and that fear left him. فَقَالَ خَدِيجَةَ وَأَخْبَرَهَا الْخَبَرَ لَقَدْ خَشِيتُ عَلَى نَفْسِي So he said to Khadija, فَقَالَ لِخَدِيجَةَ He said to Khadija, and he tells her what happened, the whole story. He says, I feared for myself. I feared for, for myself. What does he mean by this? What does he mean by the statement? I feared for myself. Could be jinn, could be shaitan, he was maybe crazy. Ibn Hajar rahimahullah says, there is 12 opinions on this. The scholars went into 12 different views. But what's meant by this statement, I feared for myself. He says the most authentic or the most correct is, I feared moat for myself. I feared that I was going to die. I feared that I was, I was going to die, that this is my moat coming. So Khadija said, Kalla, wallahi ma Allahu abada. She said to him, No. No ways, never. Wallahi, Allah will not disgrace you like that. Meaning, you are a good person. You're not going to die in a death like that, you know? A death of fear, a death of difficulty. Rather, you are a good person and Allah will never disgrace you. On this point, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he says, look how Khadija, look how she understood the deen. Well, not even the deen. This is just her fitrah. This is before the deen really has come, right? Look at her fitrah. Look at her aql, her intelligence. Look how she thinks. She said she knew the character of Rasulullah sallallahu the best character that she has ever seen, that they ever knew. And just based on that, she said, Allah will never humiliate you. Just based on that, just the fact that you're a good person, you're a sincere person, you're a genuine person, you're not a fake person, you're not a person who's 
you know, in private I'm like this, and in public I'm a different person. In public I'm a good person, but in private I'm an evil person. No, she saw the best in public, even better in private. And when she saw this, she said, "Ma Allahu abada." Allah will never humiliate you or disgrace you, because she understood that if you are genuine like this, Allah is only going to give you the best. Allah is only going to give you the the best. So Ibn Al Qayyim mentions this, and she says, "Look at her aql, look at her fitrah, look at her natural way, her inclination, is that she understood that with goodness only comes goodness. Allah is not going to punish you or humiliate you if you are a truly good person." And this is how she consoled him. Um, so she says, "Inna rahima." You are a person who upholds family ties. kal. You carry a burden. Yani, what she means by this is, you give to people that which they don't have. You spend time with people that which they, you know, when they require. You show them the best of akhlaq and so forth. ma'dum, and you help the poor and the needy. You always assist the poor and the and the needy. That which they don't have, you somehow provide for them. You somehow make a way for them. And you serve your guests generously. And you assist the deserving calamity afflicted ones. Meaning people had an accident, a calamity, and they deserve help. You always there for them. So she mentioned some of his qualities. Right? And this is how she consoled him to say, No man, that's not what's going to happen or not what, what is happening here. So Khadija then went with him until they came to who? Who did they go to? Her cousin. Waraqa bin Nawfal. Waraqa bin Nawfal. Ibn Asad ibn Abdul Uzza. That was his whole name. The cousin of Khadija. And this was a man, Tanassara fil Jahiliya. In the days of Jahiliyyah, he became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he used to write letters in Hebrew. And he used to write from the Injil, right? The Injil in Hebrew. Another narration actually mentions in Arabic as well. MashaAllah, as much as Allah wanted him to write. He was a Shaykh. What does this mean? Nope. He was an old man. A sheikh actually means an old man. Right? We use it as a learned person as well, but linguistically it actually refers to an old man. So he was a very old man, it says. But Amiya, he had lost his eyesight. So Khadija says to him, Ya ibn Am, oh my cousin, listen to your nephew. Listen to this nephew of yours. Um, what he's saying. So his waraqa said to him, Yabna Akhi, son of my brother, meaning my nephew, you know, like an old man speaks to a youngster, my son, my, my you know, in this way. Mada tara, what have you seen? Rasulullah So he explained to him what he saw. And so waraqa said, This is the namus, the secret keeper, who came to Musa. Right? And now who does this refer to? I explained this before. Who is the, who is the Namus? What is this Namus? Angel. Yes, this is the angel Jibreel. This Namus that he is, is referring to is who? Is Jibreel. Understand? Again, Ibn Hajar says, Why did Waraka mention Musa and not Isa? Waraka wasn't a Christian. Why did he not mention 
Isa, he mentions Musa. Again, uh, subhanAllah, look at the detail that the scholar is going to. So he says, because Musa, the book that he received, the, the Torah, had more ahkam in it, had more legislative rulings within it than the book that Isa received. And also because Musa was sent to retaliate with Fir'aun and his people as opposed to Isa. And also because Jibreel was sent to Musa, and this is agreed upon, between the Ahl Kitab, the Jews and the Christians, no dispute that Jibreel was sent to Musa. But many of the Jews rejected that Jibreel was sent to Isa. These are some of the reasons, again, that the scholars have mentioned, why he mentioned Isa and not Musa. No, what, yes, what we're saying is, some of, them, some of the Jews rejected it. They said, no, he wasn't sent to Isa. Right? So, but this is the point that Ibn Hajar is saying, these are, these are some of the reasons why he potentially mentioned Isa and not Musa. Sorry, Musa and not Isa. Tayyib. So anyways, he said, this is Jibreel, basically, that was sent to Musa. He says, Ya laytani fiha jada'a. And then he said, how, how, how I wish that I was a youngster. A jada'an is a young animal. A young sheep or cow. You know, from cattle. A youngster. Why does he say this? He wishes at that moment that he was young and full of energy. And that he was able, full and able and strong. Why? He says, Laytani akunu hayyan idh yukhrijuka qawmuka. I hope and I wish that I will be alive when your people throw you out. When your people are going to throw you out, remove you. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Awa mukhrijiyahum. Will they throw me out? Are they really going to throw me out? Faqala na'am. He said, yes. Question firstly is, why would Rasulullah ask this question? Why, does he, why is he surprised by this statement? Think of the context. What, we, what is happening? What has just happened? Revelation. Revelation. But why is he surprised by this statement? Because his people love him. He is the best of the best. He's Al-Amin. He is the one they were happy with to, who? to put the black stone and to build the Kaaba and, and all those things. When they saw him come in the door, Alhamdulillah, Muhammad, we're happy. No problem. Right? Because they knew he's the best. The best character that they, that, they, that they knew. We spoke about how his enemies, how they knew him to be truthful. And he's the, when he stood on the mountain and he said, on the hilltop and he said to them, if I told you there's an enemy right here now, would you believe me or not? What did they say? We believe you. Because you never tell lies. Right? This was after he was a prophet. They still knew him to be a truthful person. So when he asks this question, Are they going to throw me out? He's asking this, why? Because these people love me. I'm beloved unto them. They respect me. Not just do they know me as the best of people, but I'm also noble. We spoke about this, his lineage, his nobility. He was the highest in terms of his, his status and his nobility amongst the Quraysh. So why would they throw me out? This is number one. Another reason is, out of fear, he's saying this. Why out of fear? Not that he feared the people or that they're going to physically harm him. No. Because he knew the duty that he's carrying. Because he knew the burden that he, Allah has bestowed upon him that you have to take this people out of kufr. 
out of shirk and into tawheed and belief and iman. You have to save them from the fire. You have to save them from, you know, destruction. By guiding them, by giving them da'wah and so forth. So when he says, are they going to throw me out? His worry is, is immediately, how am I going to give da'wah if they're going to throw me out? This is two, again, possible reasons. Possibly it was both reasons, Ibn Hajar says, as to why he asked this question. He was uneasy. There was some worry there. Are they really going to throw me out? Two things here. Why would they throw me out? They love me. Secondly, how am I going to give da'wah if they throw me out? That was his concern. That was his worry. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, so Waraka said, Naam, they are going to throw you out. And then he said, Lam yati rajulul qat bimithli ma jikta bihi illa udiyah. No person comes with what you have come with, similar to what you are coming with, except that he is treated with hostility and enmity. No person comes with the truth. And this is up until today. No person comes with the truth which opposes people's disbelief, except that they are treated with hostility. Even the du'at of today, the scholars of today, when they preach the truth and it goes against what people are upon for many years, and what they are ingrained upon, what they are emotionally built upon and established upon, no person comes except that they are going to treat them with hostility and enmity. And this is something that we see within our own communities. You teach people Tawheed, don't worship the dead. You are happy, you this, you this, you that, you that. Right? Follow the Sunnah, don't innovate. You are so and so and so and so. This is, the, this is how things work. So this is what Waraka is telling him. In the earliest times of prophethood, he's, he's teaching him this lesson. So Waraka then says, وَإِنْ يُدْرِكْنِي يَوْمُكَ أَنْصُرْكَ نَصْرًا مُؤَزَّرًا if I reach that day, your day, he says, Yomuka, your day, what day is this? That day that the people's going to do this to you? I will stand by you and assist you with the, with the best of assistance, with the strongest of assistance. Mu'azzara, meaning with quwa. I will stand with you with as much strength as I have. Thumma lam yanshab waraqa and tuwufiya. What happened then? It wasn't except for a few days that went by and then Waraka passed away. Right? And then Waraka passed away. Wahyu. Right? And then what happened was this? Wahyu was paused. Wahyu was then uh, seized. The Wahyu stopped after this. That's the hadith. That's the end of the hadith of Aisha which is found in Bukhari and and Muslim. Tayyib. Um, the author mentions a weak narration that Ibn Ishaq mentions in his seerah that Jibreel came to the Prophet whilst he was asleep. Right? Although this is weak as we can see it opposes what is mentioned in the authentic hadith. So that is not what we act upon or believe and Allah knows best. The next topic is Futurul Wahi. The cessation of Wahi. Wahi was paused for a particular time. So he says, فَتَرَ الْوَحْيُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The first time that wahi was stopped, opposed, or seized from the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was after he saw Jibreel. يعني immediately after he got this revelation of Surah Alaq Iqra until the fifth ayah, 
That was the end of it. He didn't get wahi again. It stopped. Okay? For a short time. For a short period of time, the wahi was stopped. And Imam Ahmad mentions in his Musnad, hadith from Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, who said, حُبِسَ الْوَحْيُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَسَلَمَ فِي أَوَّلِ مَرَّةِ وَحُبِّبَ إِلْهِ الْخَلَاءِ فَجَعَلَ يَخْلُو فِي حِرَاءِ That wahi was stopped from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the early time, في أول مرة, in the first occasion. And khala was made beloved to him, that seclusion. And then he would spend time in seclusion in hira. That's what that hadith says. So Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, he says that that, that cessation of wahi what was the hikmah in this? Why did, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pause the wahi? What's the hikmah in it? Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decide? I, it, just, it, just, it just happened, right? It just happened when he went through this with Jibreel in the, in the cave. He came home, they calmed him down. And then there was a period where it stopped again. Why? To reflect, contemplate. contemplate, okay, over what's, what's going to come, what's happening, etc. Fair enough. Firstly, so that fear can completely dissipate and go away. That's the first thing. Imagine this ordeal that he had to go through. An angel comes and squeezes him and this whole thing happened. So firstly, that all of that fear can go away. Secondly, that it will make him long and yearn for wahi. Because this was something beloved to him. As much as the incident was fearful, it was also an honor for him. And this was the something that his life was always, you know, heading towards. So this was something that he eventually would long for. Right? Be hungry for it, yes, and yearn for this wahi. Those are some of the reasons that this happened in this way. Tayyib. An important issue here is that the author then moves on to, again, he mentions a weak narration, right? Which he points out, which is very important. And this hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. This hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, which is narrated from Az-Zuhri, where he says that the Prophet became sad fima balaghana huznan. Right, in according to what would some reports that have reached us. Now, where does this hadith come about? This hadith, that's, that this wording of this hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. And it's an add-on to the hadith that we just mentioned of Aisha. So the hadith we just mentioned of Aisha, the lengthy hadith, right, of the whole story of the, of, 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 of the wahi being sent by Jibreel and so forth. Then we have this narration where Az-Zuhri, one of the great imams of the Tabi'een and, and, and Hadith, he then narrates and he says, after that narration he says that the Prophet when Wahi stopped, he became extremely sad. He became extremely sad. But notice the word he uses, Fima balaghana, that which has been reported to us. Some reports that have, meaning things have reached us regarding this. Okay, but there's no chain of narration. Okay, notice these words, the words that he's using. So he basically, what does this hadith then say? Or Az-Zuhri then say? He says that the Prophet ﷺ became so sad that he used to go on several occasions to the mountaintops. 
and he would throw, want to throw himself off of the mountaintops and commit suicide. And every time this happened, Jibreel would come to him and say to him, Innaka Rasulullah. Indeed, you are the messenger of Allah. Surely you are the messenger of Allah. And then this would give him peace and he would go back. And when he becomes sad, he would go back to the mountaintops, want to throw himself off, Jibreel would come to him and say, Innaka Rasulullah. Okay, this is basically what this narration says. However, this narration is not an authentic narration. It's in Sahih Bukhari as it is narrated. But, and this is why it's important that the ulama of hadith are referred to when it comes to, you know, or at least you study the methodology of the books of hadith. It's not that simple just to open it up and read it. Because the hadith is in there, but yet it doesn't agree with the conditions Bukhari mentions to be authentic. This is a mu'allaq report. It's a report where there is um, a narrator that's basically missing. And that's why, what does Az-Zuhri say? فِيمَا بَلَغَنَا يعني That which has reached us. It has reached us through some report. But there's no chain of narration. Normally they would say, from Az-Zuhri, from so-and-so, from so That's a chain of narration. But what's he saying here? What has reached us? That tells us that there's a missing link. Because Az-Zuhri is not a Sahabi. So he cannot narrate the Hadith without narrating it from a, a Sahabi. Are you with me? This is too deep I'm going to into here. Okay? So, but it's important to point out because people may use this hadith as in Bukhari. Right? Without knowing that it's a, a weak hadith. Are you with me? So this did not actually happen. This is not an authentic hadith. Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar says, وَهَذِهِ الْقِصَّةِ هِيَ مِنْ بَلَاغَاتِ الزُّهْرِ This story that he mentioned is not, it's not mausulan, he says. The mausulan means it's not connected. The chain is not connected between him and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There is missing links between Az-Zuhri and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Also, the Hadith of Aisha that we mentioned firstly, Bukhari mentions it in right in the beginning of his book, in chapter in the third Hadith of the book. Whereas this Hadith he mentions in the chapter of dream interpretations, as if to show the difference between the two. Right? He did not mention them together or as one hadith. He differentiated between them. Again, importance of going back to the scholars of hadith when we refer to the books of hadith. Okay? So very important that we point that out, that this is not an authentic narration. For various reasons, it's not an, a connected chain. Secondly, uh, Az-Zuhri was not a sahabi. He was not there when this happened. So he cannot narrate if he was not there. It's not from the hadith. It's not from the words of Aisha. She's not narrating this. As is in the, the previous hadith, and also as Zuhri makes it clear, he says, Fima balagana, that which yani, just reached us. The story reached us somehow, but there's no change in narration. So hence it cannot be regarded as sahih or authentic. Okay? So that's very important that he pointed that out to show that this was not what happened to the Prophet, wasallam, that he reached this level of sadness that he wanted to commit suicide. Understand? This is not authentic um, and not from. Uh, the akhlaq of the Prophet or the belief of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam either. Then the author says Muddah Futur al-Wahi How long did this period happen? The cessation of Wahi. How long was it that he did not receive Wahi? Um, he says, says Ibn Sa'ad from Ibn Abbas عنهما, says it was just a few days. It was just for a few days. Okay? It was not a long period of time. 
just for a few days. Right? And this is what is, seems to be the strongest opinion and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And this makes sense because the intent wasn't for him to suffer or for him to wait too long. It was just for that fear to go away, for him to build up some strength and to then long and hope for that wahi. So there wasn't a need for this to be too long. This is out of the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What then happened was is, wahi is then sent for the second time. A few days goes by, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends him revelation again for the second time. So the author says, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew with certainty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had chosen him as a prophet and, and that he has received wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he then started to long for this. He started to yearn for wahi. And he was hoping to receive more wahi so that it, it also gives him strength, more strength to continue. And so Jibreel alayhi salam eventually came to him for a second time. So what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to do was is when wahi stopped, he used to then go back to the cave of Hira and sit there and, and, and you know, go back to seclusion and worship Allah and reflect and contemplate and hope that Jibreel would come back. So he goes there and while he's there, he hears a voice or a sound from the heaven. And so he looks up into the heavens and he sees Jibreel alayhi salam fi surati he sees Jibreel in the form that Allah created him in, in his natural form. And this form took up the entire horizon. All that you see is Jibreel. That's how big he was. So when he looked up, he saw Jibreel in his original natural form, the way Allah created him, and he covered the entire horizon. The hadith in Tirmidhi says he had 600 wings. What do you think happened to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Do you think he was laughing? He became extremely terrified, naturally. When he saw Jibreel, he became so scared, he immediately went home to Ummul Mu'mineen. Khadija, radiallahu anha, and he said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni. Zammiluni, Zammiluni. And so they covered him, and then Allah Azza wa Jal revealed, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'anthir, wa rabbaka fa'kabbir, wa thiyabaka fa'tahhir, wa rujza fa'hjur. Oh al-muddathir, the one who's covered up, the one who's enveloped, Allah speaking to him. Qum, stand up. Arise, fa'anthir, and warn. Warn the people. So you are a warner. The messenger is a warner. Nadiran. Bashiran. Wa nadiran. He's not only a bringer of glad tidings, he's also a, a warner. Qum fa'andir. Wa rabbaka fa'kabbir. And your Lord, glorify. Make takbir of Allah. Fa'kabbir. Glorify Allah. Your Rabb. Wa thiyabaka fa'dahir. And your clothing, purify. Your thiyab, purify it. Some of the scholars say what's meant by thiyab here is... Your clothing, yes, be, be clean and pure. Some say it's your heart, purify your heart. Some say it is your, your actions, purify your actions with tawheed, with the oneness of Allah, free from any, you know, shirk or riya and so forth. 
fun. Which means an uncleanliness avoid. Uncleanliness avoid. What's meant by this? Again, it could be physical. Avoid any uncleanliness. Also, and shirk avoid. Disbelief avoid. So this instruction here, the first instructions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes from above is for a great matter, without a doubt, and a heavy matter. It's a warning to insan and, and, and to mankind and a wake-up call for them that they remove themselves from the evil of this dunya, the evils of this dunya, and from the nar of the akhirah, the fire of the akhirah, and it's there to direct them to follow the right path. The path that's free from, you know, all of the misguidance and so forth. Before the end of time. And this obligation that Allah is now sending upon him was something extremely heavy. Was something extremely difficult. That one man had to encompass this. One man had to encompass this. All of this. That he now has to take out this people from their dalal, from their misguidance and being astray and their sins and their rebelliousness and their impatience, their stubbornness, their persistence. All of this that he, one man had to bear all of this. Stand, arise and start to warn them and to start to speak to them. This was something extremely heavy. The first ayat is coming down. Of, of instruction. The first ayat that's coming down now of, of da'wah was something extremely heavy upon the Prophet And it was a sign that this, thing, that this da'wah is going to be difficult. It's not something easy. Without a doubt. So he, he mentions a hadith in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim from Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhuma that he heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying about the time of Wahi, and he said in a hadith that I was walking and I heard a sound from the heavens and I looked up into the heavens and I saw the angel who came to me in Hira and he was sitting on a kursi he was sitting on a chair between the heavens and earth minhu hatta ard. so he says that I I became so fearful that I fainted and I fell down onto the floor and then I went home to my family and I said, Zambiluni, Zambiluni, Zambiluni. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah al-Muddathir until the ayah, And after this he says, Wahi started to come frequently and regularly. Understand? This is how that the, the second Wahi was revealed. And after this it started to come regularly and um, frequently. In another hadith in Bukhari, he said, فَأَتَيْتُ خَدِيجَةِ I came to Khadija and I said, دَثِّرُونِي دَثِّرُونِي Meaning, envelope me. Like مُدَّثِّر دَثِّرُونِي Cover me, envelope me. وَصُبُّ عَلَيَّ مَاءً بَارِدًا And pour some cold water over me. You know, to, to calm me down, to cool me down. And so they did this. She covered me, she enveloped me and they poured cold water over me. And then Allah revealed, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّر that's in another narration in um, Bukhari. So this was the first ayat that was then sent down after that period where 
Wahi initially stopped. So after Iqra came, period was stopped for a few days, and then this happened where Al Muddathir was then um, sent. The surah or the beginning part of Surah Al Muddathir was then was then revealed. So this was subhanallah again heavy ayat as we said. Heavy ayat as we said, which basically is was a sign for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that that what has passed is, is now done. That period of your life of normality is, is now over. You know where he lived as a normal man, got married, went to work, so forth, was a shepherd and all of those that that is now over. That time of of, of sleep where you could sleep and, and rest. And just relax and, you know, normal is, is basically over. These ayat were like this to him. That it's a time now to stand up. Qum Stand up and start to warn the people. That time is over. The time that you were used to is over. Ahead of you now is a time of, of sleeplessness. Yaqadah. It's time to be awake. It's a time to work hard. It's a time to, to warn people. To impose obligations upon people. It's a time that you have to carry this, this message and start to warn the people. And your comfort will be in wahi. Your comfort is where? In wahi. That's where you will find your peace and your comfort. And that you have to start to have patience upon the difficulties of this, of this work. You're going to experience tiredness and weariness and exhaustion and hardship and difficulty. This is a sign to have patience. This is how these ayat were as it came down. If we really reflect over these ayat, قُمْ فَأَنْذِرْ Stand up and warn. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ Glorify your Rabb. وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِرْ وَالرُّجِزَ فَهْجُرْ Purify yourself. It's time to become pure, not only physically, but spiritually, but in your aqeedah, but in your actions, in your heart. وَالرُّجِزَ فَهْجُرْ And to keep away from all filth. Not just physically, spiritually. Keep away from shirk, keep away from the kufr, keep away from disbelief, keep away from sins, and, and so forth. So these were just that first five ayat was heavy ayat. It was a real wake-up call for the Prophet wasallam as to show what's going to come is going to be difficult. What's going to become, is, what's going to come is going to be different to what you were upon, and so forth. فَقَامَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ What did the Prophet do? Did he take heed? Did he sit back and relax? He stood up. And he remained in this way. He stood up. He raised above. And he did this for over 20 years. Never looked back. 20 odd, 3 years of da'wah. Straight. He never rested. He never, it wasn't a moment where we decided to just sit back and relax. To have a moment of peace. He never lived for himself or for his family. He stood up. And he remained standing like this for the da'wah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he carried all of the burdens of this da'wah, which was extremely enormous and heavy on his shoulders. And he never fell down or stumbled with it. He remained standing at all times. The burden of the greatest amana on this dunya, the burden of entire creation of mankind, the burden of all of Aqeedah, the entire idea of belief and Aqeedah was on his shoulders. The burden of struggles and jihad and battles of various types, all on his shoulders. 
And he lived like this in battle. For how long? 20 odd years. People were at war with him from day one. Never ever was there a moment where they said, okay, we're going to just leave him. No, he had to live like this. Yet he was never ever distracted. In this entire period of time, he was never distracted by anything. From the moment he heard that nida, that call from Allah, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'andir. The moment he received that call from Allah, and he accepted that burden, that onus, which was frightening and, ter- and terrifying, from that moment, he never ever looked back. He never ever sat down. He never ever stumbled. May Allah reward him. For all of that from all of us and for the entire uh, humankind, the best of reward, Amin. After this came Suratul Muzammil. After this came Suratul Muzammil. So after Surah Muddathir was revealed, immediately came Suratul Muzammil. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said, Ya ayyuhal Muzammil, Qumi layla illa qalila. نصفه أو ينقص منه قليلا أو زد عليه ورتل القرآن ترتيلا. Allah then revealed, أو المزمل, أو that one who's covered up, stand up, قم. Again, Allah says, arise, قم. What should you arise for now? قم الليل إلا قليلا. Stand up during the night, the night prayers. يعني the entire night, except for a little, إلا قليلا, except for a little. نصفه half of it أو ينقص منه قليلا أو subtract from it a little أو زل علي أو add to it ورتل القرآن ترتيلا رسالة القرآن إلي with a measured recitation so this surah is then revealed which was like a page from history of this da'wah which is like a page of the history of this da'wah meaning that it starts off with that call from Allah, from above. Where Allah directs the call to him of this instruction, of this noble onus and burden that's upon his shoulders. It starts with that. Ya Iwan Muddathir. Then Allah says, Allah then describes and prepares for him Qiyam, standing in the night prayer and Salah. Allah describes this for him. This is, what's going, this is what it's all about now. This is what's part of it. Reciting the Qur'an, dhikr, trust in Allah, having sabr upon difficulty, and so forth. So when Allah says, qum, what does it mean? Qum, it's a, it's a command from Allah, it's an instruction. Both of the surahs have it, qum fa'andir, and this one says, qum in layla, stand the night. So both surahs, the instruction starts like this, ya ayyuhal muddathir, instruction, it's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Stand up for this great matter that's waiting for you, that has been prepared for you. This burden, this heavy burden that has been destined and intended for you. Stand up for the difficulties that's going to come, the hardship that's going to come, the tiredness, the weariness that's going to come. Stand, because what has passed is gone. The time of sleep and rest is gone. Stand up and be ready for this matter that's coming your way. Wasta'id and be ready and be prepared. 
So the time of sleep, the time of rest, was, was, is now over for the, for, for the Prophet From the day he heard these ayat, from the day this happened. So this is this is how these ayat were so powerful upon him. With just these two surahs. Um, what the ayat also imply is if the qiyamul layl. That qiyamul layl was made an obligation. Qiyamul layl was made an obligation upon the Muslims at the time. So for one full year, qiyamul layl was fard. Qiyamul layl was fard. Because again, look at the ayah. Qumil layla is a command. Stand the night prayer. Understand? It's a command, hence it was wajib upon them. So this is how it was for the Prophet وسلم, and for all the believers in that time for one full year. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eventually revealed فَقْرَأُوا مَا تَيَسَّرَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ عَلِمَا أَنْ سَيَكُونُ مِنْكُمْ مَرْضَىٰ Which is now the end of the ayah of the surah. Where Allah says, recite what is easy for you of the Qur'an and he knows that from amongst you is, are those who are, are ill or sick. So after this was revealed, Qiyamulayl became Tatawu'an. What does Tatawu' mean? Voluntary. Became something voluntary and not, no longer obligatory. This hadith is also explained in the hadith in Sahih Muslim from Sa'id ibn Isham who said that I said to Aisha radiallahu anha, inform me about the Qiyam of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she said, have you not decided Ya Ayyul Muzammil? I said, Bala, definitely. So she said, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ افْتَرَضَ قِيَامَ اللَّيْلِ فِي أَوَّلِ هَذِهِ السُّورَةِ That in the beginning of the surah, Allah made Qiyam al a fard. So the Prophet وسلم, and his Ashab, they established this fard for a full year. And Allah withheld the end of the surah for 12 months in the heavens until he eventually revealed the end of the surah which was takhfif, yani to make the affair light. So what we find is the beginning of the surah was revealed and then it stopped. The rest of the surah was only revealed 12 months later, which was then to make things easy for them, takhfif, to make it light for them and easy for them. So Qiyamullah then became voluntary and no longer fard. Understand? No, no, no. There wasn't a hold on wahi, no. Other, other wahi was coming in that time. But this surah, the end only came 12 months later. Right? So even the surahs, it wasn't like one whole surah was always revealed in, in, in its entirety. There were parts revealed and parts revealed later on. Sometimes the beginning and the end comes. But the Prophet obviously knew where to place it. Understand? So yeah, he knew this is part of Muzammil, but it only came 12 months later. Um, yes? They made Qiyamul Layl, yes? For the full year they had to pray Qiyamul Layl. Yes, so basically Allah is telling them how long it should be. Either the whole night except for a little. Or half the night, or less than that, or more than that. Meaning they had some option as to how long exactly it had to be. The, the end of Muzammil was revealed 
which basically then instructed that the qiyam is no longer fard, it is now a sunnah. Or tatawu' meaning voluntary, no, no, no longer fard. Um, the author then mentions that Ibn Ishaq, again, one of the famous books of Sirah written by Ibn Ishaq, he mentioned that um, Surah Al-Duha was also then revealed. Right after this, this period of the initial period of cessation of wahi. However, this is incorrect. Why? Because it opposes a Sahih hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, which says that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he did not pray qiyamul layl for two or three nights. So a woman came to him and said, "Oh Muhammad, I hope and I see that your shaitan has left you." What did she mean by this? Your Lord has left you. But she referred to Allah as your shaitan. Your devil has left you. And I don't see him on you or close to you for, for a few nights now, for two to three nights. This is what she said to him. And this is meaning that for a few days he did not receive wahi. But this happened later on. Okay, this happened later on. This was not immediately after the the first moment. This was some time later. Um, who was this woman? Who said this? A Jew. Huh? A Jew. A Jew. No, this was the wife of Abu Lahab. This was the wife of who? Abu Lahab. Right. This is the wife of Abu Lahab. This woman was known to be a woman that would walk around and spread slander between the people. And she would often scoff at the Prophet ﷺ for being a poor man. She was wealthy. And so was Abu Lahab. What does Allah say in the Quran? Tabbat yada Abi Lahabi wa tab ma aghna anhu wa ma kasab. His wealth is not going to be of any benefit. Know what he earns or gains. Not going to benefit him. Right? Allah says this about him. And then Allah says, and his wife who carries that firewood now firstly why was she a woman that carried firewood she was a wealthy woman no she was a wealthy woman firewood meaning she would carry it in her lifetime not in the, in the akhirah she would carry it around her own wood because she was so bakhil so stingy to pay anyone to do it for example she would carry it herself so Allah describes her as the woman would carry her own firewood. One ra'atuhu and his wife that would carry that firewood. Then what does Allah say about her? That on her neck there will be a rope of fire. Of, of twisted fiber which basically here means fire. That around her neck there will be this rope of fire that will be, will be given to her. Because this is, she was this type of woman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her the glad tidings of, the, of Jahannam in her lifetime. This ayat came down whilst Abu Lahab was alive. That's why some scholars say, if Abu Lahab wanted to disprove wahi, he could have accepted Islam and said, look, the Quran says I'm ruined. Tabbat yada abil habib, my hands are ruined and I'm ruined. But now I accept Islam. But Allah knew this would never happen. So Allah basically mentioned that in his lifetime and his wife's lifetime, 
But these were the, uh, obviously one of the greatest enemies of the Prophet Sallallahu It's also that she used to throw sto- uh, thorns at night in front of the, the pathway of the Prophet She knew you'd come out and walk these pathways, she'd go throw stones and thorns there to hurt him. That's what she would do. Right? So this is the same woman that said to him, I say your shaitan has left you. I don't see him on you for two to three days or two to three nights. And other of the mushrikeen, also other narrations mentioned, they would come out and say, had this been a true prophet, Allah would have continuously sent wahi, but why is the wahi stopped? Allah has forsaken you, Allah hates you. They told this to the, the Prophet And so he naturally he felt a bit, not depressed I would say, but you know, but down he was longing for wahi, hoping for wahi, and listening to all the curses that he was getting and abuse that he was getting, Allah then revealed, wadduha. By the morning time, that time of brightness, of ease, of calmness. And by the night when it falls still. Your Lord has not forsaken you, nor does he hate you. Allah then kept them quiet immediately, consoled the Prophet. And again, if you want a full tafsir of this surah, we did Alhamdulillah al entire tafsir of it. It's on the, our YouTube page on Tayyibah Institute, alhamdulillah. But this cessation of wahi happened later on. Sometime after the first period, right, where it was seized. It's not like Ibn Ishaq and others have mentioned. It was immediately. Duha was revealed sometime after this, okay? And the author mentions the hadith. From that's that's narrated by Al Tahawi from Ibn Abbas anhuma, where he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I asked my Lord Azza wa Jal for for something that I wished I did not ask him. So I said, Oh my Lord, before me there were other prophets, some of them you subdued for them the wind. So he mentioned. Dawood and Isa, and so, sorry, Dawood and Sulaiman, and some of them you, you allowed them to give life to the dead, like Isa, and some of them like this, and some of them like that, and you gave this one this and this one that. So the Prophet regretted saying this eventually because it's like a sign of ingratitude, right? Because then what did Allah respond to him by saying? Allah said, Alam yatiman Did I not? Did we not find you as an orphan? And then we gave you shelter? So I said, Bala, yes, indeed, O oh Allah, my Lord. Did I not find you lost? And then I guided you? So I said, yes, Bala, my Lord. Did I not find you poor? And then I enriched you? So I said, Bala, yes, my Lord. Did I not? Expand your chest and open up your chest. And did I not remove from you your burden? I said, Bala, yes, my Lord. This is just adding on to the, the previous surahs that at this point, the Prophet was in the moment of, of weakness and sadness that he said, You know, oh Allah, you know, you gave this to the prophets, and then Allah revealed his ayah to console him and to show him how much he has blessed him, how much he has given him, how much he has loved him, and so forth. And again, refer to those two surahs, the entire uh, commentary on it, and you'll see how uh, the detail on it, alhamdulillah. 
طيب um, we'll end off the last topic is maratibul wahi wa shiddatu nuzulihi the types of wahi and how severe it was upon him that definitely there were different types of wahi the prophet didn't just get wahi in one way there were different types of wahi that he, re- that he received some were easy upon him and some were harsh or difficult upon him the first one was ar-ru'ya sadiqa which we spoke about the, the, the truthful dreams that he received right and this was in the beginning and early stages of his wahi secondly at times an angel would come and inspire things into his heart and into his mind without seeing him, without seeing the angel. Right? And it comes in a hadith of Ibn Sa'ud that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna ruha al-Qudusi nafatha fi ru'i annahu lan tamuta nafsun hatta tastakmila rizqaha. That the ruha al-Qudus, meaning Jibreel, he blew into my heart. So this is without seeing the, the angel. This is the second type, right? The angel blows into his chest or into his heart without seeing him. So Jibreel blew into him and that, what did he blow into him? That no soul will die unless his rizq is completed or given unto him in full. So fear Allah wa ajminu fi talab. So fear Allah and beautify your, your talab, your seeking of wealth, your seeking of rizq. وَلَا يَحْمِلَنَّكُمُ اسْتِبْطَاءُ and do not be worried or burdened by the delay of your rizq such that you go and seek your rizq in the sin of Allah or the displeasure of Allah. Because that which is with Allah will not be reached except with His obedience. Will not be achieved except with His obedience. That this hadith, how did the Prophet receive this? Jibreel blew this into his heart, he says. He blew this into my chest, into my heart. So this is the second type of wahi that he received. The first type of wahi we said was truthful dreams. Secondly, sometimes this would happen where he would just get inspiration into his chest. The Jibreel would come, blow into his chest without seeing Jibreel. The third type of wahi is Jibreel would come in the form of a man. Jibreel or the malak would come in the form of a man and speak to him that he understood and so forth. Famous example of this is Easiest example is Hadith Jibreel. The lengthy Hadith of Jibreel where he said to Umar ibn Khattab, do you know who that man was? That was Jibreel. He came to teach you your religion. Right? He came in the form of a man. The fourth type of wahi was where he would hear a voice which resembled the sound of a ringing bell. Sal salatil jaras. The sound of a ringing bell. And this was the hardest upon him. This was some of the, the hardest upon him. And what would happen was is he would he would sweat profusely, right? Even though it would be extremely cold, he would sweat out of this, this type of wahi. And his camel that he would if he was on top of a camel, that camel would kneel. It would you know fall down out of the weight that, that he feels as the Prophet is receiving this wahi. And also another narration mentions of Zayd ibn Thabit where he was sitting next to the Prophet وسلم, and the Prophet's thigh was on top of his. So you picture yourself sitting cross-legged and the next person is sitting and your thigh is leaning on top of his 
And as the Prophet deceived Wahi, Zayd said, I thought my thighs and my knees were going to break. It was going to be shattered because of the, the weight that started to come down upon him. Right? This is a fourth type of Wahi. And this comes in a hadith in, of Aisha in Bukhari and Muslim. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was asked, and he, they said, how does wahi come to you? And he said, ahyan, and sometimes it comes to me like a ringing bell. And that's the heaviest upon me. But when this is taken away, I remember what was said to me, and sometimes it comes to me as a man. The malak comes to me as a man. He speaks to me, and I understand, and I then uh, basically relay what he said. Also from Aisha, she said, I saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa where he received wahi on a day that was extremely cold. It was extremely cold and yet his forehead would be dripping with sweat. His forehead would be dripping with, dripping with sweat. On an, in another narration, which is the long hadith of the ifk, where Aisha narrates this lengthy hadith of the whole story that happened about her slander. The end of the hadith she says, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa visited her one day. She was sitting with an Ansari woman. They were both crying over her situation and he hadn't, hadn't spoken to her for a long time. And he did the tashahud and he said to her that if you are innocent, Allah will, Allah will reveal your innocence. And if you, are, if you committed a sin, then make tawbah to Allah and Allah will forgive, your tawbah, will, will forgive you and accept your tawbah. And so what did Aisha do? She turned and she faced her back to him as if, you know, like how can you even say that man? And she turned and she, she just laid there. And she said to my, I said to my father, address the Prophet You speak on my behalf. And he said, what can I say to the message of Allah? And she said to my mother, I said to my mother, you address the Prophet And she said, what can I say to the message of Allah? And then she just turned around and she laid there. And she waited. And she says in this hadith, I never thought Allah would reveal ayat regarding me. I thought maybe the Prophet would see a dream about my situation and Allah will reveal my innocence because who am I? I'm insignificant. And then she says they overtook him. What used to overtake him of wahi. That state of hardship and difficulty that overtook him when he received wahi. That he started to sweat profusely and it dripped from his forehead like pearls. She says it was like Juma'an, like, like pearls of sweat, that silver pearls. That, this is how she described his, his, his nature and, and how he looked. Filiomishati, she says, it was a wintry day, a cold day. Yet he would sweat like this, like sweat of pearls. From the heaviness of the, the speech that was sent down upon him. And then he smiled at her and he said, Allah has revealed you, your innocence. إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَرَّأَكِ And then he recited the ayat in Surah Nur. إِنَّ الَّذِنَ جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ عُصْبَةٌ مِنْكُمْ لَا تَحْسَبُهُ شَرَّ لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ Ten ayat. Allah basically revealed her, her innocence from the, about the seven heavens. Um, طيب, number five is, the Prophet ﷺ sometimes saw the angel in his true form. In his true form. And then he would reveal to him, what he revealed to him. This only happened twice. This only happened twice. This happened, when was the two times this happened? The first time, yeah. the first time which was this, which was actually the, after the cessation of Wahi. 
Remember? So after Iqra happened, then he went home, then some time passed, he didn't receive wahi, he would stay in, 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 in Hira, and then he heard a, voice, a sound in the heaven, looked up and he saw Jibreel in his true form. Became terrified and he fell over, he then went home. And then Mudathir was revealed. The second time was in the, in the Isra and the Mi'raj, in the Sidrat al-Muntaha. When he reached the highest point in paradise, Jibreel was seen his form and Jibreel could not go past that point. And only he went past that point and he spoke to Allah Azza wa Jal directly. Okay? But that's the point number five is he would see Jibreel in his true form. That's a different type of wahi that he received. The sixth type is مَا أَوْحَاهُ اللَّهُ That which Allah revealed to him directly. Meaning, when he was above the seven heavens on the night of Mi'raj, this was regarding the salah. Right? And whatever else was revealed on that night, this is the sixth type of wahi. So Jibreel was not involved there. It was just between him and Allah. Right? From this happened above the seven heavens. And number seven is Kalamullah Ta'ala Lahu Minhu Ilayhi Bila Wasitah Malakin. Again, without the wasita of a malak, direct speech between Allah and the Messenger. Right? Now we know this happened to which Prophet? Musa. Right? Uh, this, we know this happened because Allah mentioned this in the Quran. Allah mentioned this in the Quran. And this also happened to the Prophet on the Mi'raj as well. Where he was spoken to without any uh, interpreter, without any medium. Um, this is the sixth type of wahi. Some of them mention an f- uh, eighth type, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him without a hijab, without a barrier. Right? But this is the view of only those who said that he saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this is a mas'ala that the scholars differed over. Did he see Allah when he did the mi'raj? Understand? Did he see Allah or not? So some said he saw Allah, some said he saw Nur, some said he didn't. Aisha radiallahu anha says in the hadith Sahih Muslim, whoever says he saw Allah has lied. Whoever says he saw Allah has lied. But it is a mas'ala where there is difference of opinion. So those who say that he saw Allah, they would use this and say that this is the eighth type of wahi that he received without the hijab. Understand? But the, most of the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah say he did not see Allah. Based on the ayah in the Quran where Allah says that you cannot see him. Right? You cannot see him. This only happens in the akhirah. When the hijab will be re- uh, removed. Um, and so forth. Tayyib, where are we? So those are the different types of wahi that the Prophet sallallahu received. We can say at least seven types. The eighth type is a more of a weaker view, I believe. Seven types, different ways that he received wahi. And we also mentioned the shidda that he experienced. It was difficult upon him. Tayyib. Um, the next point is, Khawful Rasul al-Quran. The author mentions that the Prophet sallallahu he had a fear that he would forget the Quran. So what would happen was is, when he received wahi, and Jibreel is reciting to him, he would recite with him. You know? Somebody is, as if to memorize it, so that he doesn't forget it, out of fear that is. But this became difficult for him. This became difficult for him, because he's now trying to keep up. For the first time you're hearing somebody read to you, and you're trying to read with him to, to memorize it, it's difficult. So basically the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed to him, لَا تُحَذِّكْ بِهِ لِسَانَكَ Allah says, Don't move your tongue with him. Don't move your tongue with him. 
لِتَعْجَلَ بِهِ To hasten the recitation of the Qur'an. Relax. Don't move your tongue. إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا Upon us. جَمْعَهُ Collecting the Qur'an. وَقُرْآنَ And reciting the Qur'an. يعني we'll make it possible for you. Don't overburden yourself. Don't fear about forgetting. لَا تُحَرِّكْ بِلِسَانَكَ Means don't move your tongue. Listen. Right? So Allah then says, فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ When we recite it to you, through Jibreel meaning, فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ Then follow its recitation. In, uh, ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَ Meaning this Qur'ana means, فَاتَّبِعْ uh, قُرْآنَ means, listen to it and be quiet. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَ Then upon us will be its clarification to you. So this is also regarding wahi. Hence the author is mentioning it because Prophet had this wadi. And he used to overburden himself by trying to read with. And then Allah made it easy for him and said, لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به. Don't be in a hurry and don't move your tongue, you know, your lips and your tongue and your mouth. Just listen. Listen to what he's saying and be quiet. And we will, it's, upon our, it's our obligation to make sure this book is collected and recited. You know? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy like this to him. Um, so after this, the hadith says, whenever Jibreel came to him, he would listen. And when Jibreel left, he would then read it just like he heard it. Understand? The hadith in Bukhari and Muslim as well. Okay? The end of this chapter is basically the author mentioning that there were different periods of da'wah in the life of the Prophet Different periods which had different stages in it. So I'm not going to go through all that he mentioned because we're going to go through it later on. But basically what he says is, that there was the period of Makkah and the period in Medina. The 13 years in Makkah, that was one period of his life which was completely different. Which had various stages in it. And then there was the period in Medina, which had at least three different stages in it. So next week, we'll go on to the first stage, which is the stage of Makkah. And the first stage of the period, or the first period in the stage of Makkah was... The da'wah sidiyah, where da'wah was done in secret. Understand? After that da'wah was done loud in, in, in public, but only with speech and no fighting. It was also happened in Makkah. And then Medina has its own stages. Right? So next week we'll continue from, we'll start off with the stage in Makkah, and the first period which was da'wah to sidiyah. That da'wah in, it was done in private, in secret. That's we will carry on from next week بإذن الله تعالى صلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك شهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك.